The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? These are certainly some crazy times we are living in. News can change drastically and on a dime. This podcast episode was recorded on May 4th, 2020. It was recorded during a time when folks were protesting the shutting down of the economy and wanting to reopen things. It was recorded well before the brutal murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the resulting protests. So I just wanted to clarify what the protests that we talk about in this podcast episode are about. So buckle up. (laughs) This is a fascinating interview and uh, certainly a wild ride. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy, and I'm here with Vincent Jenna. Oh my gosh, let me get out my notes here because Vincent does a lot of stuff, Uh, is a world-class psychic medium, uh, has an MSW, a spiritual therapist, host of the Unity radio show, Stop Stopping Yourself, and is all over IMDb, oh my gosh, on so many different uh, national, regional shows. Uh, Vincent, the publicity reel on your website is just unreal. Welcome. I'm so happy that you could join me today. Oh my gosh, Christy, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. I always have fun with with hosts and being on shows like this. So thank you. And you have a big claim to your fame too. You were in Greece. Ah, uh, yes. I, boy, are you giving away my age. <laughs> but yes, that was over 40 years ago now in the movie Greece, the original one. With John Travolta and the Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, I was a singer and dancer in that. That must have been an unforgettable experience. <sighs> it, it actually was one of the most exciting and early one because I was only 22 years old. Mm. And I 
uh, not only did I get a chance to do the movie, but then when they had the premiere, they called a couple of the dancers and we were at Man's Chinese, which used to be Grumman's Chinese, where they premiered all the Hollywood movies. So we premiered Grease there. And of course, every star in Hollywood, I literally walked Elizabeth Taylor down. I escorted her to her seat. Richard Burton, two different times, they didn't come in together. That's they were already apart by then. And all, uh, so many other stars. Then we had a reception, and that was a television special. But our job was to socialize with the stars. So I danced with them. I, oh my gosh, hobnobbed with them. It was just like amazing. I was starstruck then, even though I was a performer too. I didn't care. Oh, that sounds absolutely magical. It was. It was magical. I was on my girlfriend, who's my wife now. She was at home in on Long Island. She lived there. We hadn't been married yet. And I was calling her on break. I would go, you're not going to believe who I'm dancing with right now. Only Cal Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, just like... Oh. It was just amazing. And all of them, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was a great experience. Well, then I had children, and that was even better. Oh, yeah. That's pretty of amazing, course. too. But you've, yeah. got, you've done so much stuff. And, and, and now you're this world-class psychic. You do um, workshops. You do personal, right. personal right. readings, personal sessions, all like that. And, uh, and you're a, a therapist as well. So how did you get into that? Oh, that was, and actually, that was an easy transition because when I first started this, Christy, um, it was when I was 28 years old, and it all happened to me very sudden, and it was because of a a one-time school bully who then became a close friend at our 10-year high school reunion and wanting to help him because his life was falling apart and it, you know, long story there, but to shorten it down, this all happened to me. So, so I, I had no intentions of being a psychic in a medium. Are you kidding me? I come from Long Island, small little town. Psychics were kooky people who lived in California. And, and I was in California, so I met a lot of those kooky people. I didn't want to be one of those kooky people. So when they were telling me that I had all these abilities and they were developing on me, I was very low profile. I didn't know what to do with it. And then, of course, it just kept coming out stronger and stronger, and I kept getting the guidance. And basically, I was getting spiritual kick in the you-know-where to move forward with this because apparently it was part of my mission, part of my destiny, and I didn't know that. All I cared about was being a professional actor. I wanted a Tony, an Oscar, an Emmy, any award that you can put up on the shelf. That's what I wanted as a performer, certainly not as a psychic medium. So what happened is I started to then do this work part-time and I got hooked up with a psychic fair, but I didn't call myself a psychic. My business card said transpersonal counselor. That sounded so much more credible right. than a kooky psychic. What was I supposed to do? Put a palm out on the highway, you know, 
brother Vinny next to sister Sarah out there? No, I wasn't going to do that. So I still wasn't admitting it. And then what happened is my full-time job came to an end because of an automobile accident, injured my back. I was a mobile disc jockey and entertainer because I left the full-time acting field after I had my second child. And so I, I was a manager and a motivational instructor of this major company. But after getting into a car accident, I couldn't do that anymore. And so people that I would do in the part-time readings for would say, why don't you become a therapist? I get more help from you than, than my own psychiatrist. And I'm like, that meant I had to go back to school. I hated college. I dropped out. I received a four-year scholarship to two incredible universities for my acting, and I slept in the parking lot both times because I just didn't believe back then I needed to go. So I had to start school all over again. My wife turns around and says, that's a great idea. Why don't you do that? That would be so good. Not to mention that I felt, you know what, if I'm doing this work as a psychic, man, it would be so much more credible if I knew about the human mind because that's where I'm going. And instead of just being a psychic, I could be a psychotherapist now, right? I'd be the psychotherapist. And, uh, and boy, that word meant more than just psychotherapist in my life, believe me. So that's why I went back to school. I went, it took me seven years. We had two children. My wife worked full time. I didn't work at all so that I can go through school. She supported us. It was, it was rough, but it was incredible at the same time. I remember times that my daughter, my son, and myself would be sitting at the kitchen table doing our homework together. And and it was funny because my son was taking Spanish at the time. So was I. I was helping him. He was helping me. My daughter was chiming in with the math, with the this. It was an incredible experience, but that's what I did. And then I started working as a psychotherapist only. And every one of my supervisors and bosses would say to me, man, Vince, you have some kind of a sixth sense because you can diagnose your client within five minutes of meeting them so accurately, and it usually takes us a couple of weeks before we can go there, and you're right on target. And I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah, I guess so. I guess I got a sixth sense. Who knew? Um, but you know what happened then? So here I am. I was successful with that. I had my own practice in two different cities. Then I even worked for hospice. So I became a hospice clinical social worker. Mm -hmm. But I was getting frustrated because being a licensed clinical social worker, you've got to follow guidelines. Right? I was wondering about that. How much yeah. you actually, you know, put the rest of this stuff in there? Right. How, how you I would get it in through the back door. Right. They would be sitting in front of me and I would be going there with them. And it actually opened up their their ability to share with me really easy, especially the more I kept tapping on things that I saw. This is like, didn't you have or, or, or it was more like I was presenting. I was wondering if you maybe had this kind of difficulty because 
dad did this or your sister did that. And they'd be, oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. That's what happened. So they go there quicker. They get into the deep part, part quicker. But it was very frustrating because I couldn't just lay it out on the line for them. You know, as psychotherapy, they believe that you have to come to the answer because it's so much stronger. So most of the time I'd be sitting there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And tell me what you thought about your mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm like sitting there going, God, this is going to take 12 years. That's why it takes 12 years when I'm, I know the answer already. So I said, forget this. And I left being licensed so that I could do this work full time. And I changed my title from transpersonal therapist or psychotherapist to psychic. I'm a psychic. I'm a medium. I'm proud of it. I make my own name. And yeah, there's still loonies out there. Yes, there are. There are plenty. But there are also loony psychotherapists. I met them too. Oh, yeah. So that's how I went and, and, and transitioned with all of that. <laughs> Crazy, right? I know. That's quite a story. Yeah. Know. You know what? Yeah. I do believe that what you do, what I do, because I'm also a, a medium, psychic, intuitive, whatever the heck you mm-hmm. want to call it, and an energy worker. And, you know, people come in and they say, I get more out of this than I ever did out of any type of therapy. Right. Because right, because you're able to go there. Yes, exactly. That's all I use my tools for, Christy, really. It's just yeah. like yeah, a lot of people do go to psychics and mediums for entertainment, for connection with a loved one, but rarely do they go for deep treatment. That's what they come to me for. But, but most psychics and mediums are not trained in the type of work that I go. I can go deep into that psyche mind, and I know I'm capable of dealing with it. Matter of fact, I remember I went to Arthur Finley College not too long ago. It's a psychic college in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a known, met uh, several tutors from there and kind of felt that I wanted to get my practice or my abilities going even better, you know, and I, I will do that every so often and take my own classes that I can. So I went there and the work that I was doing as a medium was completely different because I would go deep if a subject came in, if a loved one came in, a father or mother, and they caused any type of injuries or hurt. I would go there with the the person and there'd be tears and they'd be thanking and hugging and all of this. Then they'd be asking the tutor, are we supposed to do that? And the tutor would say, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to go there. Vince is the only one that could go there because he has the training. It's okay. So I use my tools to, to, to go where therapy would take you, but to do it quicker. Usually my one-hour sessions are equivalent to about 12 years of therapy. They're heavy. Oh, very heavy, very heavy. Yeah, because- yes, I have a box of tissues right there all the time. I can't tell you how much Kleenex I go through. Thank goodness I'm doing it remotely now because of the coronavirus. Otherwise, there'd be no tissues left. <laughs> exactly. You should buy stocking Kleenex. I do. <laughs> exactly. And so you teach the workshops too. Why, when did you start teaching workshops? Why did you start doing that? Oh, a couple of years ago, when, because I, it's so interesting because with or without me teaching, people want to open up their intuition. They want to be psychics. They want to be mediums. 
Um, right now, I'm teaching a Discover Your Soul's Purpose class. They want to know what their purpose is. So they're going to go looking elsewhere. And one of the things I did when this did open up for me for 37 years, I've done nothing but research and study. And so I know a lot of the work that's out there. And I know a lot of the work that's not necessarily beneficial. And I know that all of a sudden, and I bet you you'll find this too, Christy, mm -hmm. since the popularity of the Long Island medium and the celebrity medium and all these television and the paranormal shows, they're all coming out of the woodwork is all these supposed self-proclaimed psychic mediums. And I'm like, they actually need, I've heard them, I've worked with some of them, and here even in my own area. And I'm like, holy moly, they need more help than the people that they're trying to help. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. So that's what made me say, you know what, I've got to teach them, and i got to teach them the right way. When In all of my classes, no matter what I'm teaching, even when I was in, as an actor, I was still coaching acting, and I did a lot of coaching for the schools and the high schools for, yeah. around here in the local area. I still did the same thing. I included self-personal healing work at the same time because I'm saying, number one, that's going to help you open the channels even more so, but most importantly, you should be, if you are going to be a practitioner, if you are going to sit in front of anybody, and even if you're going to do it for yourself, you need to be on a healing journey. And everybody has a story. And it doesn't have to be as intense as mine was with the torment I went through in my youth. But there's a story there. And the story causes scars and hurts. And people aren't manifesting what they want in their lives because of that. So I combine, and that's why my classes are so successful, because I combine both the healing aspect, personal healing, and then the educational aspect and the enlightening aspect of how to do this properly. To me, it's the only way to teach it right. And I've got students that are out there now that are doing unbelievable work. And, and touching souls and healing themselves. After the first day of one class, I even have them coming to me saying, oh my gosh, we had Thanksgiving this week and I only took one class and it was completely different. I didn't have any anger towards my family. There was not, no animosity. I was feeling all of this love and that never happened on Thanksgiving. So they were seeing personal changes in their own lives because they were being taught the right way. And that's why I teach because I know I can and I know I can in a really good way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that the self-healing aspect is really key for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a bank teller, if you're a construction worker, whatever you're doing, that self-healing aspect, it just brings more of you to the table, no matter what you're doing. Absolutely. And, and don't get me wrong, my primary work 
is not to have anybody depend on me. My primary work, even in my private work, is to empower them to be able to depend on themselves and believe in themselves. So, so that's what I feel I am really good at. I can see a person, I can see their talents, and more importantly, I can help them see their gifts and their divinity. So they see themselves through my eyes. And I feel that some of the greatest spiritual teachers, that was their gift. They all believed in people so much that the people wanted to believe what they believed and believe in themselves. And, and that's where I try to go. I, I really love and believe people and believe in them so much, even with all that's going on now. I'll be the first to shake you by the shoulders and let you know what you're doing wrong. But the only reason why I'm doing that is because I believe in you so much and know that you can do so much with your life. That's the direction I've been really going in. Well, and that's one of your taglines, isn't it? It's the, the psychic who tells it like it is. I'm going to botch this quote. So um, oh, get, I'm not afraid to get in the gutter with them and tell it like it is. Well, here, here, you know, this is the funny story. <clears throat> it just, it's actually a little metaphor, right, mm-hmm. into the way I do my work. Besides being New York and Italian and arrogant, when you put those three together, you can't help but do it the way I'm doing it, okay? Right. But this is the way I liken it. Say you and I are walking down the streets of Manhattan, okay? Of course, we wouldn't be doing that today. But right. when it was clear and we didn't have to worry about it, we're walking down the streets of Manhattan. I look up and I notice that there is a piano, a baby grand piano that's being moved from the 40th floor to someplace up above. But the rope and the chains break and that piano is now headed towards your head. I have got one of three responses I can make instantaneously. First response, run across the street real quick and say, suckers, that's your karma, not mine. I'm out of here, right? Choice number two, I can do it like some of our metaphysicians and spiritual teachers believe that everything is okay. And I can tap you on the shoulder and say, listen, I am not interfering in your life. And I certainly don't want to influence it because everything is in perfect timing. It is going great. I just want to let you know, smack, too late. By the time I even get the apology question out, he's already gone. Or I grab you by the shoulders and I throw you aside. Now, in the process of that, you may lay down the ground. You may sprain your wrist or even break your ankle but I've saved your life. Okay, so now how would you like me to work with you today and teach you? (laughs) Right, exactly. Save me from the falling piano, please. And you know what? When I was a hospice social worker, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina now, and I'm in the Bible Belt. Oh, yeah. And in the medical research field here, it's the far greatest. We've got Duke University. We've got UNC. We've got Wake Med. Unbelievable healthcare. However, none of the doctors liked telling their patients they were dying. And so what would happen is so many of my patients that I'd be there signing them up for hospice because they were the doctors recommended it, 
the patients had no idea why they were being signed up onto hospice. And I'm like, he doesn't know he's dying? I always told my patient, I never lied to them, and I always let them know during my first visit, do you understand why we're here? No. And I told them, it's because you have a prognosis of six months or less. Now, it doesn't mean that it's definitely six months. They would say, you mean I'm, I'm dying from what I have? I said, yes. Why didn't my doctor tell me? I, I don't know why you're going to have to ask them. And every one of them said, thank you. Thank you, because they had the right to know. They had the right to know that the elephant that was in the middle of the room so that they can get their affairs together. How can you hide something like that from someone? So I take that same philosophy, Christy, and I apply it because people deserve to know what mistakes or what choices they're making that is causing their life to be disrupted, dysfunctional, um, lacking, and everything they don't want in life. They deserve to know why that's happening, not hidden and not like touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy that they'll find it just with an affirmation card. No, they need to know. I don't care how many decks you have. If you keep doing this and feeling this, nothing is going to work. Yeah, absolutely. And that can cause some, some true transformation. And uh, I, I love yeah. that about your work. Now, it sounds like you had a lot of transformation, too. You said that you came from kind of a difficult, tough, tough background. How did you come to all these realizations? Well, it was through that spiritual awakening. So <clears throat> for the first 17 years of my life, my school peers chased me, bullied me. When they caught me, they beat me up. I was shoved in lockers, head flushed in toilets, spit on, peed on, humiliated in school every single day. Oh. And then when I got home, because we did not come from a, a very, we were very lower class family trying to survive. I only had actually two pairs of pants, one for church, one for school. But because the kids used to beat me up and throw me down, my knees would get all messed up from the grass stains. I got home, and because my mother had been sexually molested by her brother until she was 13 years old, she had mental pathologies, OCD, panic disorder, obsessive, comp uh, oh, that's what OCD is, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, a major depressive disorder. She took that all out on me and my brother. I used to get beat all the time from that. She had had my father beat me. Then I was sexually molested by my neighbor across the street who babysat me and then by the parish priest. So I had all of that in my background. Thank goodness I was a very young, talented little boy. And I started performing at a very young age. As soon as I could in school, I was in the choruses and I was in all the, the musical shows. I sang, had a chance to sing at the Kennedy Center and Carnegie Hall with these incredible choirs and, and choral directors. Um, and, and so that and the applause kept me alive. That was my uh, feeling of I was being accepted. But Short of that, I felt terrible all the time about myself. 
I met my wife when I was 17 years old, and she was the only person who truly believed in me. And that helped to keep me going. But it wasn't until, but I was getting in my way because what winds up happening is you develop these defense mechanisms to help you cope. And the same defense mechanisms that were helping me cope actually got in my way as a performer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, it wasn't until I did, you know, dopey things. Yes, I got into the movie Grease, but then I messed it up for other things, you know, and, and that kept me getting into other things. And so at my 10th year high school reunion, this is where everything changed. I went with a chip on my shoulder because I was in the movie Grease. And three years before the actual uh, reunion, and so I became this famous, you know, local boy, and everybody was wondering if I was going to be coming to the um, reunion, and I did, but I went with a chip on my shoulder and my wife, and I was like, I'm going to show you guys that I made it. I made something of myself, but it was completely unnecessary because it was a total Cinderella story. I got there and I was the prince at the ball because they surrounded me. There was over 350 people and I swear 300 of them were like all over me. The girls sat at my table, the ones that even picked on me. They all sat on my table, including the hot ones that were considered the hot ones back then, right? They were asking me all questions. Oh my God, I was having fun with them. We were laughing and then the guy who caused most of the antagonism when I was in school, he would get all the jocks to pick on me. He's the guy who became my dear friend. He became the catalyst because his life was falling apart. We got close. I was recognizing that. He never shared it with anybody else. And one day after spending a weekend with him, my wife and I in his expensive uh, Connecticut condo, I, we're driving home and I'm like, I know something is wrong. It's terrible. I think it's, his life is falling apart. There's something wrong and he's not sharing it. My wife was like, he didn't say anything. Yeah. Why? He's got a wife and three kids and a great job and he looks great. Oh, my God. I'm like, nope, something is wrong. And I literally started crying to God. And it's like, I never begged God to help me during my 17 years of being tormented. But this time... I turned to him and I was like, well, it now and begged it to give me the ability to help him yeah. and and people like him. I didn't pray for him. That was the weirdest thing, Christy. And I now I understand why in hindsight. Apparently, this was part of my plan before I got here. But I prayed to give me the ability. It was one of my first selfless moments. And that's when everything started happening to me within a week of that prayer, literally. And so it completely transformed my life. Everything that I was striving for when I was younger was acceptance and love because that's what was torn away from me. And then when I stopped striving for it and all I cared about was having people love themselves. Yeah. All I kept receiving was love. Oh. And it was the most amazing transition. Until today, I wish I can bottle up 
all the love that my wife and I receive so that I can pass it out to everybody else because that's what's missing in the world is self-love. That's how it transformed my life. Well, and you know, it's so funny you say you wish you could bottle it up because every time I have a guest who's had an amazing transformation like that, I always ask, well, if you could just bottle up the essence. I I was like, what is that uh, essence? And so, right? But you see, Abraham said it, and so many, even Edgar Casey and so many other luminaries did say, when you get to experience it yourself, Mm-hmm. And you go from the lowest rung to a higher rung, that that is bliss. That is complete joy because you know you did that yourself. I mean, I wrote a book and I'm waiting for it to be published by someone called God It's Not Working, What One Man Found That Makes Everything Work. And while I was writing that, and realize I need people to read this because there is this incredible joy and euphoria of of being able to achieve it yourself. And that's why we keep coming back here is to try to sometime get it instead of just taking it from some, all right, give it to me. All right, I'll take it. Good. Now I feel good about myself. Give it. You know, no, it matters that we do go. So bottling it up, yes. Can it make it happen faster, maybe, and take away some of the pain because there's too much of it? Yeah, but they have to be their own bottling manufacturer. (laughs) They have to create it themselves in order for it to really be worth it for them. But I'm there, and you're there to help them with that effort. Right, right. Right? But for you, it began with forgiveness, it sounds like. Right, that you were able to look oh, at these people that you had been tormented by, and for I have to admit something with that. Please, I don't. I examined this a million and one times, including with my parents. Now, I am in. Yeah, you see a beautiful virtual background, but I'm in my home. And I built this home, my wife and I built this home to move my parents in, my tormentors, the ones who caused me nothing but pain for my beginning part, to move them in here, to take care of them until they passed. My mother developed Alzheimer's. My father had dementia. They were like children. And all I cared about was taking care of their souls. Yes, they fought me tooth and nail so much, they still thought that, you know, even though my mother forgot the entire past, she was still that personality, still kept coming through. It didn't matter to me because I no longer needed their love and acceptance to know that I was lovable. So I only did this so that their souls can take it away because I love them unconditionally. Well, that's the type of, type of transformation. I never had to forgive them, and I never had to forgive those tormentors of mine. They're my friends on Facebook. They follow me with all the work I do. They're some of my greatest fans and supporters, and they dedicated the reunions to me for each one that I went to because they couldn't believe. I have. Uh, there's a guy who just moved here with his wife just locally, just recently, too. 
that and and he we had him over for Thanksgiving because they had no place to go. And he turns around and he was a he caused me to lose all of my friends and he tormented me throughout high school and junior high school because he followed me from grade school to high school. And he turns around and he tells my family he cannot believe and how he said, I took care of my life. I did all that I could. But the one bad taste that I always was left with was how I picked on your father. And he forgave me and and loved me and changed my life because of that. And I just always, always will remember how he treated me even though I tormented him. And it wasn't a matter of a conscious forgiveness. Something in my heart told me they were all hurting too. And yes, when I was younger, I didn't understand that. I didn't even hate them. Quite, quite honestly, in the beginning, I thought I deserved it all. You know, children, children blame themselves for everything. They do. Right? So they figure, I felt that, well, I guess I am a piece of garbage, and that's why they picked on me. But I never had to forgive them. And I cannot tell you that I never having that burden. When I work with people and I'm like, oh, I haven't forgiven them, I haven't forgiven them, I haven't. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea the weight you are putting on yourself it is not a matter of them you need to forgive. It's actually a fallacy. Right, right, right. It's a matter of forgiving yourself because we do blame ourselves for everything. So even when our parents mistreat us, we blame ourselves. If our parents get divorced, we blame ourselves. If one of them gets sick and dies, we blame ourselves for that. I still am working with people. So no matter what you think externally that you have to do to change, it's not nothing external and nothing about your life has anything to do with anybody else. It's all about you. It's all about the way you believe about yourself, which is going to lead you to believe about others. Heal yourself, forgive yourself, and it extends automatically out onto everybody else. Did you know that Radiate Wellness has a subscription-based premium content Facebook group? Think of it like the premium version of this free podcast. In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls, plus you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price, and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com shop. Click the subscriptions button, and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. 
So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Right. The teacher, Matt Kahn, talks about when we heal something in ourselves, it heals those around us. Because it can it out there, doesn't it? It's natural. Absolutely. It's very natural that way. And it's very cool, too. You know, letting go of that, like I said, it's just, oh, oh, my God, it's so, so much weight lifted off of you. You don't know how heavy it was until you release it. And then you go, oh, my God, I was carrying that around? Yes, exactly. What a great way of putting it. Yes, you do. It's just like, it's just like you know, when you're driving your car, you think you're seeing clearly. Right. But I liken it to this. You're driving your car around for months and you're looking out the same windshield. Right. And then one day you decide to get the car washed. <laughs> right. And you pull out of the car wash and you go, oh, my gosh, what happened? I see everything so much clearer now. And all they did was clean your windshield. You had no idea how dirty it was until you got it clean. So it's exactly what you're saying. You have no idea what you're holding on to until you release it. And then it becomes such a a lightness and clarity and crystal clear. It's amazing. It really is amazing. Well, carrying these grudges is something that we do to ourselves. It has nothing to do. It does not affect the people that we're holding these grudges against. It's all doing ourselves. Right. Right. And And the brain will create all those grudges intentionally because the two highest functions of the of the brain, Christy, as you know, is one to keep us alive Mm -hmm. and two to protect us. That's the two highest. That's how it keeps us alive by protecting us. Well, we know how it protects us physically. Like with the coronavirus, for example, uh, what is it saying? One of the symptoms is a fever. Well, the fever is not being caused by the coronavirus. The fever is caused by your brain attempting to raise your body temperature so that the virus cannot live in a higher temperature. So your brain will do that intentionally. It's not paying attention to the fact that a fever makes you feel uncomfortable. Its priority is to get rid of the virus. Well, that's how it protects us physically. Well, how does it protect us emotionally when we're carrying around all this emotional self-hurt? I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not deserving. All those negative messages we received as a kid that we've been holding on to, your brain will create a whole new set of beliefs as you get older and it develops in order to shield you and protect you from the original set. So, so when you believe that somebody else's fault, well, it's this, it's the government, it's the president, it's my next door neighbor, it's the boss, it's my spouse that's causing me all these problems, that was a set of beliefs that were created for you purposely. But here's the thing, if we were just psychological, mental people and just bodies, you know, body and mind alone, fine, you'd have to deal with that and... Just cope in your life. That's what we taught as therapists, coping skills. But we're spiritual beings. And what that means is we have power. So now take the mind and connect it, plug it into the wall socket. And so what happens is if you are not manifesting what you want in life because we have the power to manifest everything, it has to do with something that you're believing. That's the bottom line. 
So if you think you're so good and that you should have gotten that promotion, why didn't you get that promotion? If you think you're so lovable and yet you've broken up every single one of your relationships, why is that happening? It's because there's the hidden set of beliefs Mm -hmm. that's controlling everything. The ones that say, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve a partner. I'm not good enough to get that promotion and raise. I'm, I, I deserve to be unhealthy because I was so bad, whatever. But there is that negative set. That's what I go after. I don't care what you think you believe. Most people don't believe what they think they believe anyway. I care about what you don't know you believe. That's what I go after because that's the stuff that's empowering your life and manifesting what you don't want. And we get rid of that. We bring that to the surface. And guess what? This coronavirus and being stuck at home, guess what's coming to the surface? All of the garbage. The fears you see people having have nothing to do with them. Oh, I'm so afraid of getting the virus. No, yeah, that, that give, that'll give you caution. That'll make you do like what my wife and I are doing. Okay, we're going to the grocery store. Let's take some precautionary measures. We're going to wear the mask. All right, we're going to use disinfectant. Okay, no problem. It's not that I'm panicking. I'm being smart because there's a virus out there. I can carry it. If it's not for me, I can carry it to somebody else. That's not fear. I'm talking about the ones that have to go out there and grab every single pack of toilet paper they can get because they're afraid nobody is going to help them. They're going to run out. Who cares about them? I'm talking about the ones that are panicking. I'm talking about the ones that are protesting now because that's another way of showing fear, yelling, screaming, and lashing out, right? Those aren't fears from the coronavirus. No, they're not. They're from when they were little kids. Yes. It's from when they were the little kid and and maybe they didn't have their needs met. Maybe mommy and daddy weren't around and didn't care about them. Maybe they were just tossed away completely. So now they've learned they've got to protect themselves. Nobody else cares. That's what's coming out from this virus. That's why we have the opportunity now better than any time before to heal ourselves. Yes. I just hoping, Christy, and I'm praying we don't pack it back away again like we did. We don't want to live the old normal. We want to live a new normal now. Right? Don't you agree? And this is my prayer too, Vincent, is that we take this lesson. I feel like energetically we may have even created or brought this on that we were going too fast, placing our importance outside of ourselves on material things, on what the, our schedules are, on money, on these things that really don't matter. My guides have been telling me since the beginning of this year, Vincent, that we're needing to go inside, but we have to, we get to go inside. Yes. And this is the true gift of this. And it's up to us if we're going to take advantage of this. And yes. do the work that we need to do. What do you do? You feel the same thing. There are levels of spiritual consciousness that we will all, every single being, goes through mm-hmm. from the moment that we were created until we reach the final 
highest level of consciousness. And there are actually only four of those stages. The first stage is the to me stage, to me. Michael Beckwith uses these stages a lot in his work. The to me stage means that you're in a mental state believing that everything is happening to you. That's the victimization stage, right? This is, I have no control. Everything happens to you. Life happens to you and then you die. It sucks, right? That's the to me stage. Well, once you start growing and maybe you get a little bit of information and you start learning, you switch from the to me stage and the next stage, and it may not be in the same lifetime, by the way, that's the reason why we come back. The mm -hmm. next con spiritual conscious stage is the for me stage, that things happen for me. Everything happens for a reason. And this is happening for me. You can hear that. You can see it in some of the memes that people are posting on Facebook. You know, some of the things that the universe may be setting this up for us so that we can grow. That maybe we, like you just said, but in a different way, I'm going to tell you where you're, you're coming from too. Um, that maybe we intentionally set it up um, to help us grow. So that's the for me stage. The third stage is the through me stage. Everything happens through me. I'm a catalyst for everything. If something was meant to happen, it was going to happen, it's going to happen through me because I'm the conductor. I'm kind of like the wire of the energy and source and spirit. Everything is going through me, my higher self. It's all acting through me. And that's a good stage to be at too. But the fourth stage and the fourth stage we need to get to to actually heal is the as me stage. The as me stage means that nothing is happening to me, for me, or through me. It's happening because it is me. The coronavirus is us. Yes. We were a virus before. It even occurred with all the hatred, all the negativity that's been out there. Now, now here's the thing about what we have to understand as beings. This and this is primary, a pandemic. I don't care if you were Chinese, if you were black, if you were male, if you're female, if you were Muslim, if you were Jewish, if you were gay, if you were heterosexual, this is a disease affecting everyone globally because we are all the same we're beings we just have different colors on the outside but we are all the same on the inside and so it's affecting us all and because we are also we were created together even the best of us are part of this disease. Yes. Because truly, if we think about it, we each have something to still grow from. And I know myself, I'm a, I'm a spiritual teacher and I walk my path a lot. But I, there are times I'm negative. There are times I get angry. And what does that negativity and that anger feed into? It feeds into the anger pool. I help to create, I am the part of this virus as well. Each one of us are. But here's the good thing about that. 
if you are the virus, then you can stop, you can heal the virus. And it is starting to heal, but it's only healing because of certain reasons. One, we stopped worrying about money. Oh, yeah, there's still people worrying about money, but you can get it. I've actually had my bank, my mortgage company, call me up and say, by the way, you don't have to pay your mortgage payments until October. Like, thank you. My in, my auto insurance company is saying, by the way, because you're not driving around a lot, we're sending you a dividend check. And next year, your rates are going down. An insurance company saying rates going down. They haven't said that since they started. Okay? And that's happening. People are helping each other. They're sharing. They're calling up their neighbor. And the curve is going down, not just because we're separated, it's going to go down because we're healing it with what we're supposed to be doing. I told everybody, you must be doing this, not just about you. What did the doctor say? If this isn't just about you, think about your neighbor. You can carry it to your neighbor because you don't even know you have it, right? So we're forced to think about our neighbor. And as we're thinking about our neighbor, we're healing it. So we are the, the virus. We are the cure. And so that is the fourth level of consciousness we all need to go to. And that's the hardest level because who wants to think, I'm the virus, that doesn't make sense. It's inside of me. Everything is inside of you. Cancer is inside of you. And don't you know that cancer is you? It's your cells. It's, it's not something separate from you. It's your actual body, your cells. It's you. It's you fighting against you. So that's a disease that's a little bit more clear to understand that it's us. Mm -hmm. But we are everything. We are everything. We're the good. We're the bad. We're the torment. We're the earthquakes. We're the storms. We're the tornadoes. We are the tsunamis. We are it because we have that power. We're everything. Yes. We were created in its image, and it is everything. Spirit is everything. So if spirit is everything, so are we. Yes. As we were talking about before, I am unity, and that's part of our unity principles, is God is good and present in all things. If God is good and present in all things, then God is present in me, and I am naturally good. I mean... Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Yes. Naturally. Yes. The natural so not being good is unnatural um, um sociologists and scientists want to say that we have that built into us but in actuality they have come to understand that no we are not naturally aggressive because the earliest civilizations the people that died when they find their bones they find different communities together and the way they know they're different communities is actually by their pottery and their the items that they used Artifact. to make mm -hmm. artifacts right thank you and they were all together together cooperatively right not from shooting killing banging on the head anything they just died but they were cooperative together and that meant that we had to be helping each other back then so that's what's natural yes it's we when we forgot who we were Yes. Yes. It's when we forgot who we were. And, you know, I want to circle back to something that you said earlier, is that 
these spiritual teachers, there's something about them that, you know, there's some, there is something about that. I'm not sure exactly how you said it, but the gist of it is what, there is something special about these spiritual teachers. What I believe that was, Vincent, is what you're talking about, how they recognize that good in people. They recognize the God in people. And that is magnetic. It's amazing when someone sees you as God sees you. Yes. Seeing when you see the God within. Now, yeah. okay, admittedly so. Let's admit. There are some people that you can have the strongest, you can have the Hubble telescope. <laughs> okay, right here and point it to a person and still not see the God inside of them because they've, because they've got it so, so many layers of defenses between that, between where their soul is and where their conscious mind is, that you have got to go digging to China in order to find it. I'll admit that. Right. And that's what appears to be e what evil is, right? There is no real evil in the world. You can act. See, to me, evil is live backwards. And it actually is. The word live, L-I-V-E, is evil backwards. And devil is lived backwards. So yeah. I believe those words were even created that way because of the meaning of it. When you live backwards and you feel backwards, you're going to feel and, and act like evil, evil-ish, um, or demonic. That's another thing. You're, it's all connected. It's all the same. But what it is, it's living without spirit. That's what it looks like. Yeah. So, yes, some people, you got to dig deep. But the majority of people, you do not. It's right. there. And yes, I like I said earlier, what I feel my gift is, is being able to see the God, the goodness, and the gifts within them that they don't see, and, this, and then to reflect it back to them. Yeah, and this, I think, is what's causing the divide in our country. Oof. We've yeah. stopped seeing each other. We only well, see caricatures. Yeah. We see well. Well, okay. How do I how do I put this? Sorry to stump you. If man. you look, okay. If you look at us, you look at the and 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 here's the thing: Why America? Well, exactly for what? And I truly believe in the whole purpose of America to start with. All right, it had its great intent was to be the example for the world, that everybody can live together in their freedoms of belief, right? In their freedoms of pursuing their dreams. And, but we forgot. See, when you forget your connection to spirit, you're going to forget everything else too. You're going to forget the real reason why America was created, and you're going to create your own idea. This whole thing right now that people are protesting because they feel their freedoms are being taken away, when did you think that living in America meant you can do anything you want? It did not mean that at all. It was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness until it interferes with somebody else's pursuit. Right. Then it has to be restricted a bit. 
So all of this supposed freedom, they're, they're going after that, Christy, because what you are seeing now as an example in the country is what it looks like to live off of hope versus fear. Exactly. There is definitely a dividing line between a higher thought and a lower thought. Sorry, I don't care if anybody wants to call this side liberal and democratic and this side Republican, it has nothing to do with that because there's Republicans on this side too. Everything is made political now all of a sudden, including the virus. I didn't know how you can take a virus and turn it into politics. Right. This is like, right. And and it, 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 yes, it's stupid. But of course, it's because of leadership. Whatever you have on the top is a reflection of what's going on. I had friends before our leader came into office. I had friends who always believed that way. They believed that, you know, no, you don't give out money for no reason at all to people. And 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 any you know, welfare programs, everything. Oh, people take advantage of that. They had the worst beliefs about people. Okay. But it's because of what they went through when they were younger and the way they were made to feel about themselves. Worthless. Like I said, your brain will create defense mechanisms to help you cope. So now what we have are these fearing people and they're so afraid that nobody is going to care about them and that nobody is going to love them because they haven't before. They need more love than anybody. And on the other side, you've got the hope that, well, they're still good in us. We, we got to try to stand for good things and the right things. But they're weak, too, because they don't know how to help the other side. They think it's just a matter of keep educating, keep educating, keep educating. And you know what? I know some professors that teach at major institutions that are still on that side. So intelligence and knowledge alone is not enough. They need to feel who they are as divine beings, that doesn't come in just a book at a college university. It comes in a spiritual understanding. It comes in a new understanding of, of what you are made of, that you didn't have to have a mother and father to prove you were worth something. You exist, therefore you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's automatic. So we have to reach them in a different way. They need more love. And even Jesus said that himself. I didn't come here to doctor the well. They always asked him, why do you keep having dinner with the evil people and the tax collectors and all those bad people? And he said, I didn't come here to doctor the well. You're fine. I came here to give them give them doctoring, to give them the good word, to give them that they are loved, that God loves them just as much, and that made all the sense in the world. Um, but that's what we where we need to go. But yes, it the division is to let us know who we are. What is taking place right now is the Cain and Abel story. How so? And, that's the reason why it was written. 
every story in the Bible is a metaphysical and metaphor for who we are. So what the Cain and Abel story is, because there was no Adam and Eve, the Pope has finally admitted that Adam and Eve was, was is, is just a, a symbol. An allegory. Um, and, right, exa- exactly. And it usually, when they're together, represents the divine masculine, divine feminine, the God source. Okay? Right. Now, when you are connected to that higher source within you, you feel loved, you feel attended to, you feel lovable and loving, you feel like like Abel did, okay? And then you're kind and you're nice and you're gentle. When you're detached from that, you feel abandoned, you feel neglected, you then it turns into resentment and anger and frustration and rage. And if that fills you enough, that side of you can overtake the good side of you, the side that is or felt connected when that side becomes so powerful. So the Cain in you can actually kill the Abel in you. And that's exactly what has happened. And the reason why all those people out there that are showing their anger and their hatred, they're all canes because they killed the able inside of them because they feel disconnected from source. They feel no power. Whereas we feel our power. Don't you? Don't you? I know my power. Right. I live my power. Yeah. We do, don't we? It doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. We have problems, but you know what? We immediately can go there and tap into something. They have no place to go. They have been void. They have been bankrupt of all spiritual love and understanding. And so, yes, are they going to carry around machine guns to shove in our faces to show that they are big men and big women, you know? Are they going to carry the flag with a SWAT sticker next to it to show their power? I mean, every every history book has shown what it looks like when you feel the most powerless. That's how Hitler took over. That's how Alexander, I mean, all we can go all the way at Tiller the Hunt, all the way back to some of your worst leaders, King George, all of them. It's when you felt low in your power that you lashed out the most and tried to gain power from others and overtake others and blame others and kill others. And that's, but that's not power either. That's just as weak. It's a sign of weakness because you're not creating your own power. Absolutely. Not standing in your own power. So you have to take it from others. Right. I totally agree. You know, and this is why, Vincent, I um, was supporting Marianne Williamson. And I would love to see her on the national stage because I believe we do need a leader to be, to, and why don't you run for office, Vince? Oh yeah, listen, no way. I'd be, I'd be assassinated my first week. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's, here is the thing. Actually, okay. Um, I do have an opinion on that. Okay, we will never, it, we will never have a Marianne Williamson as president. When we are capable of having a Marianne Williamson as president, will be done here. Right. Uh, Because 
leadership has nothing. The leaders and the president of, of our country does not, and, and all over the world, they do not shape society. They are not a reflection of, of, they are, let me correct that. They are a reflection of society. They are not the cause of society. Whatever societal values are is what you're going to see in your leadership. Okay. Your leadership cannot influence or change them. It can affect you. Yes, absolutely. So by the time we would vote for a Marianne Williamson and she would win and somebody spiritual like that would win, we wouldn't need her anymore. We'd be in the place because the whole society, then the majority of the society would be healed. Right. So, so we have to remember that. And, and, but because of our leader right now, that is a reflection of where we are. And if you remove him and you just look at the Americans, you'll see where we are. And, and, and that again, because we are the sample population for the world. That's where everybody is. All right. We, we're, we like to criticize and judge all these other countries, the Muslim countries and, and, and the oh, Arab countries. Right. We're the first to do that. But we, one of the reasons why they hate us so much is because we're hypocrites here. We have our own people killing each other. You know, it wasn't a Muslim that went into a school with a gun and shot a whole bunch of kids. Wasn't anybody like that. You know, it was us, <laughs> regular white folk. It wasn't even a black person. No, no that's, a, that's the craziest thing, that we want to keep blaming others when we have our own issues over here, and they're looking at us going, um, why are you trying to change us, you know? So we are brothers and sisters, so it's like your big brother and your big sister trying to tell you what to do, but meanwhile, they're getting divorced a hundred times. They have no relationship. Their children hate them. And it's like, and you're going to guide me. <laughs> we need to heal ourselves. We That's do need point. to heal ourselves. Individually and as a whole. And collectively. And collectively. And this is what you're doubt. doing. And I do want to put in a plug for your Unity Radio Show. Ah. Thank you. Yes, that's on Wednesdays at noon Eastern time. And um, and yes, and 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 anytime that you come in, they're made into podcasts too, which is great. I've had some really great guests on. So you can go back and listen to them. They're really popular. A lot of information in there, you know, a lot of stuff that you can apply and and a lot of things that you need to hear. Um, one of the things that I can say about myself. As a spiritual teacher, I will say things you will like, but I will not say things intentionally what you want to hear. But I will always say what you need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So so go and listen. It's really good. Thank you for allowing me to share that. And, And also, I'm also getting my YouTube channel up there. I got a lot of videos on YouTube, but I'm actually starting the adventures of a psychic therapist. And I'm sharing some stories, some fun stories of my own personal experiences as a psychic therapist and a medium. So you, when, as soon as that is, is broadcast, go and watch some of the videos there. They'll be fun. Excellent. I'm sure that will be, that will wind up on your website, like a link on yes, your website. Yeah. 
Yeah. That is vincentjenna.com. That's G-E-N-N-A, vincentjenna.com. And, you know, you can hook up with everything that you do there. It looks like you've got it. You've got meditations, you've got lectures, you've got talks, you can sign up for workshops, you can sign up for uh, individual healing sessions. Everything is right there on the website. And, Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's been so much fun talking with you, Vincent. I think feel like we got into some really cool and interesting tangents that yeah, we didn't we? talk about. I, I loved talking to I you. I know. That was so much fun to radiate belief. Thank you for you know, joining. And I so appreciate that with you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We need to stay in touch. We will. And I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but thanks so much for having me on. We That's talked about the important things, you know? The important things, the essential things. Absolutely. And I totally appreciated it. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.